Amen. Very blessed by that. I'm blessed. Um, there's so many uh, age categories represented in that group, isn't it? I was looking for Kiana there, you know. But there's like uh, adult and and uh, seniors and um, young ones. There's one there that never grows old, you know. Uh, it's like uh, whenever I see her, like uh, she's like uh, looking like a congresswoman. And you know, I'm talking about, but uh, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Abel, for your group, for singing for the Lord. And truly, that song is uh, special to all of us because the truth of that song is really applicable, isn't it? The Lord is always faithful to us, and in return, may we be found faithful, isn't it, until he comes again. And uh, thank you so much for uh, what you do for the Lord. And also, uh, personally, I'd I would like to express my uh, utmost and deep gratitude and thankfulness for your greetings also and uh, thoughtfulness, warm wishes on my birthday. And uh, I truly enjoy myself together with my family and I think the rest of the church folks last Sunday in our um, services and especially the second service or the, our love banquet fellowship here in our church. We truly had a good time, isn't it? And uh, I was really surprised when I was put in the hot spot, you know, uh, <laughs> in the middle there and... Uh, uh, we had that game, you know, family feud or something. Oh, that's huh? Family feud. There you go. Uh, so they uh, put a nice twist on it, and uh, I found out a lot of things about myself <laughs> during that game. And uh, I look back at that video and I'll try to put a screenshot, you know, what uh, things I discovered. And uh, thank you so much for your generous gift. As I said last Wednesday, I feel like. Uh, it was Christmas, you know, and dami kong aguinaldo. So thank you so much for your generosity, but most of all your prayers and support for um, me and for the rest of my family. And as you all know, we all went through uh, something rough and tough last last year uh, with the passing away of Pastor Max and, um, you know, with the premature birth of uh, our youngest son, our, our fifth child, Ezra. But through it all, God has been faithful. God has been good, and he answered prayers, and he showed himself mighty and strong, and truly his grace is so sufficient. His grace is so, so sustaining to all of us. So um, before we start, I'd like to start uh, this message with something light, some humor, uh, because it's the uh, unholy hour. This is the time when Christ was crucified on the cross, and there was total darkness, and, but right now it's so light, uh, bright outside and everything, so... Uh, uh, Pastor Abel said we truly enjoyed our lunchtime, isn't it? And uh, it seems like there's a miracle going on every Sunday, and there's so much people, and then the food is there. But it all comes to like, you know, just enough, isn't it? Everybody has something to eat. And actually, the kids have a lot of leftovers. Sometimes I go to their Sunday school class, hey, you don't want to eat that anymore? Or, you know, there's a spare meat there, and they, they give it to me. So, so that's why I'm, I'm full and sleepy also this time. So <laughs> I will not keep you long, Amen. There you go, only uh, Rochelle <laughs> responded, so probably I will not end up short. But um, just to um, <laughs> start with, with something light, uh, I have some um, biblical uh, humor here. So the first question is, what, what kind of car would Jesus drive? There you go, Chrysler. All right. That's a good one, isn't it? Because he is Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. 
So, but I don't know anybody here in the church that drives Chrysler. <laughs> They're not that dependable. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, which nursery song would Jesus have heard the most? Huh? Which nursery song would Jesus would have heard the most? Close, close. It will be Mary had a little lamb. It's Mary, his earthly mother. Um, I, and I asked this before. Why did Adam and Eve do math every day? There you go. They were told to be fruitful and multiply and addition and subtraction. And Let's multiply, all right? What did Daniel tell his real estate agent? Those are looking for a house, praying for a house, isn't it? And uh, we have some particulars that like to uh, give out. So he said, I'd prefer a house without a den, with no den, all right? He didn't have a, I think he had a good sleep in the lion's den. Because God shut them out of the lions, isn't it? Gave him protection. Uh, what's a believer's favorite fruit? Oh, huh? the apple of his eye, you know, it's in the Bible. It's a spiritual fruit. Okay, there you go. You get it. Eh? <laughs> oh, this is easy. How did Joseph um, make his coffee? There you go. He brewed it from the Bible. He brewed it. Hebrews, all right? And what's love by Noah and also most meat eaters? What's love by Noah, the ark builder, and also most eat meat eaters? It's ham. One of his son, them he loved, is ham. Sarconia. Okay, here is a good one. How do you know Pharaoh was athletic? Huh? This? Huh? Oh, the, I heard. He had a court. Pharaoh's court, so. Maybe he played tennis you know, on that court. Huh? So. Which Bible character was the best musician? There you go. We know he's a good uh, musician. He's a, a good player of the harp. Sings well. You know, he even put. Uh, he sings so well that he puts soul to sleep. You know, that's how good you are if you can sing and put somebody to sleep, like music therapy. No, but it is Samson actually because he brought the house down. There you go. It was Samson. All right. And who in the Bible had the greatest business plans? Who in the Bible had the greatest business plans? Ah, yeah, that's a biblical answer, but this is a humor, so <laughs> it will be a little bit. Uh, the alternative answer is the prophets. <laughs> the prophets really profit, you know. And, okay, last but not the least, um, when someone needed a boat made, what did the people in town say? We know a guy. Ah, there you go, the builder of the ark. All right, one more, one more, one more. All right. How did Paul greet his friend? How did Paul <laughs> greet his friend? Huh? Salute, grace and peace and mercy. <laughs> That's the biblical answer. But the alternative answer is, give me five lemon. All right. Okay. All right. I think I'm, I'm running out. Okay. I have to reserve some for next time. All right. Okay. Um, we're going to continue our studies in the book of
Nehemiah, one of the shortest person in the Bible. Nehemiah, all right. So uh, let's open our Bibles there. Let's turn here in the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. Uh, we'll be reading verses 1 to 6, all right? We had a study with this as introduction, chapter 1. We saw him, uh, his prayer, he was um, waiting upon the Lord. He was watching and also weeping for the ruins in Jerusalem. Then we come to chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. So um, I'd like to ask you to please stand with me as we give honor and reverence to the word of God. And then we'll have a word of prayer after this. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. If you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. Okay, let's read it all together with understanding. Begin. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad, when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be, and might thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we bless your name. We thank you for another opportunity to open the scriptures, to open the Bible, and know your will and your message in our hearts and life today. We uh, foremost thank you, Lord, for the great salvation that we have in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we were born again because of the love of God, because of the gospel that we received and responded accordingly. Thank you, Lord, for saving our souls, making us whole. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. And also, Lord, take, thank you, Lord, for giving us the... Uh, spiritual freedom and even the religious freedom to continue to gather lord around thy word for fellowship and edification we pray now lord for your cleansing for your forgiveness lord for any sins that you can see in our hearts things that we've done that that is displeasing unto thee in our words in our thoughts in our deeds we ask for the precious and uh, pure blood of the lamb jesus christ to wash them away Cover them, Lord. Uh, help us, Lord, to be worthy. And uh, that everything that we've done, Lord, today will be uh, acceptable unto thy sight. That it will be a sweet-smelling savor, Lord. That it will be done in the spirit. It will be done out of love. It will be done out of uh, the right motivation, Lord. And that is, Lord, because we just want to please thee. And thank you, Lord, for what we've already heard since the beginning of this morning. Even, Lord, for your compassions that never fail us, for your mercy and grace that's enduring, because today we're still alive, we're able to open our eyes and be able to be about and be able to come here into this church to worship you, Lord. So, Lord, we are so blessed. We are so blessed, and thou art faithful all the time. So we pray now that you bless the rest of this uh, 
service, and may your name be honored and glorified, for we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may all be seated, thank you. Uh, we've been talking about Nehemiah and his contemporary with Ezra, and this was written during the times of the kings of the Medo-Persian, the second um, worldwide empire in the great vision of uh, Daniel. If you remember that statue where the head is gold and then silver and all those uh, precious stones all the way to the feet, and it pictures the five great uh, empires that had ruled during the times of the children of Israel's uh, captivity. So it started with Babylon and then uh, Nebuchadnezzar was dethroned by the Medo-Persian kings. And in this study, it was Artaxerxes, the w first Olongimanus, because he is left-handed, long-handed, so to speak. So uh, we've been talking about Ezra's desire to go back to his uh, nation, Israel, because he heard about the, the bad news that it was uh, in ruins. You know, the temple has to be uh, rebuilt. The gates were burned down. The walls were torn down, and he has a desire and a burden to, to do the will of God in his life. So he fasted for 40 days, and it only took 52 days to complete the whole project in rebuilding the wall. So before we start the message, I have some personal pictures here. Probably we've seen them on Facebook on our 2019 Israel trip because I just want to highlight uh, the wall there. And uh, if you see that picture, behind us, we are in the Mount of Olives in this particular location and behind that it's not that clear is the uh, the walls and uh, the temples that's uh, where it's supposed to be located you know and the city of Jerusalem and you know what uh, there on the far right is Aaron Jacob he's our tour guide he's a veteran uh, soldier he's a uh, um, master historian and uh, he helps, uh, you know, American tourists and uh, different tourists in a bus for a whole week or two weeks and guide them and give the historical and current uh, uh, information of a particular place, very well versed. And Dr. Steve Cook, if you still remember, one of our missionaries, the one here on the far uh, right, the one with the shade there, uh, he is also um, working uh, in reaching the Jews here in America and different parts of the world. He has a Jewish ministry. And uh, Aaron Jacob will um, uh, give the historical uh, current uh, information about a particular place in the Bible land. And then Dr. Steve Cook will give the spiritual and prophetical significance of the particular land. So uh, we are so blessed and so only by God's grace we're able to go. One of the most wonderful and life-changing trips. Uh, you'll ever make us a Christian, you know, in my, in my own opinion here in this world. So uh, there's two there that already went to heaven. Uh, we have uh, a couple there, and they have a son on the top uh, left corner, the last person there. Their son is a special child, but uh, his parents love him so much, he bought him to, he, he can still understand. I don't know it's the medical term of his condition. He's autistic, and... Uh, but his mom and dad, I think a couple of years now, uh, they were riding a motorcycle and there was uh, a person on the other side of interst the interstate who was with uh, uh, illegal substance, intoxicated, I think. And they ran on, on them and they, they died instantly. So he was orphan. So you, you pray for that guy. But um, 
I'm glad they were able to make that trip with him. And, and Lord willing, Dr. Steve Cook and Brother Aaron will be coming in our church uh, in their first stop here in America from um, his trip to Israel. And he'll be traveling with Dr. Steve Cook and visiting churches. So he, he called me uh, a month ago, a couple of months ago, and his desire is to come here in our church probably in the last week of July and be able to uh, give us uh, a Bible conference, prophetic conference from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and ask him to do uh, a Passover of the Jewish demonstration, you know, before we have our own, you know, a Lord's table. So looking forward to that, but we had a, a wonderful trip. Next slide, please. There you go. Uh, if you look at the background, I gained 10 pounds there because of all the <laughs> kosher food that yeah, our, our people here, our friends that went with us, our brethren, really had a wonderful time. But we came here uh, during Sabbath, and behind me is that wall, you see? That's uh, the old remnant of the wall of Jerusalem that was sacked by General Roman Titus, AD 70. It's 200 feet long, and I think 40 feet high, and uh, it's what we call the Wailing Wall, they call it, and and people all over the world go there uh, and pray. And in those cracks, you can put a piece of paper with your prayer request and, you know, like offer it to God. And during this time, it was Sabbath, I think almost past Sabbath. And you see uh, Greek or uh, Jewish Orthodox with their full dress, uh, you know, uniform with their hats and their uh, scrolls and they're praying and everything. Very... Uh, Wonderful time, religious time for them, and the women are separated for the men. And, uh, and there's also like guards and soldiers with their AK-47, you know, young people, you know, teenagers, Israeli and Arabs that are there just uh, guarding the place and just you know, having a good time. So, yeah, that's the wall. That's what we've been talking about, what Nehemiah tried to rebuild, you know. Next. So we're, there you go. That's an overview. And if you remember, also President Trump was given an opportunity to go there. And uh, we have to wear a yarmulke for the guys. We have to have a covering. And then the ladies have to have a shawl above their heads if you want to go to the to the wall and pray uh, from it. But aren't you glad as Christians we don't have to go to a wall? Amen. <laughs> be able to be close to God and be able to hear our prayers because that wall of partition, as the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, was already torn down by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that veil of the temple that separate sinful men, you know, unworthy men to the holiest of holy, the presence of God was torn down because of Christ had done on the cross and his resurrection. So now we can pray anytime, anywhere in Jesus' name. Amen? We have a complete audience before the creator, God in heaven. And we're so blessed, we're so privileged. So that's the wall. And you see that little golden thing there? That's the Dome of the Rock so to speak, and that's the most, that, that's the hotbed of all <laughs> land in the whole world. And if the Jews will try to like recapture that and set up their temple, you know, there will be World War III in the Middle East right now. You know, and they said if they just move back like uh, 40 feet away from that, they can already put a temple, but they believe that's the, the place where, you know, they have to erect the temple, Solomon's temple, and also where uh, Abraham sacrificed his son, you know, in that mount as close to that. So it's a con very uh, uh, contested piece of land. And we know that they're preparing right now 
for the re resumption of the temple worship as of now because uh, they're looking for the ter third temple. And we know that in the end days, when the Antichrist comes, he will allow, he will give a false peace among the Jews and the Muslim, and they will be able to build their temple. But you know what? He will present himself as the king, as the Messiah, falsely, and he will break that treaty, and he will make himself to be worshipped as God, as we can see in our studies in the book of Revelation and Daniel. And then he will hunt the Jews, and a lot of them will be killed. But right now, there's a temporary peace there, and that wall again is very uh, significant because it's part of the relics or remain of the old Jerusalem wall that we've been studying about that was rebuilt by Nehemiah. All right, next. All right, this is uh, only a replica of the old city of Jerusalem. And you can actually tour that, okay? And it was very well done, very um, very uh, significant. You know, if you just want to see like an overview as a human of the old city of Jerusalem, you can look at it that way. Next, see? So you can, it's, it's huge. You can move around, and that's, uh, I think, uh, one of the courts of Herod, all right? Next, see? And you see here, uh, there's walls surrounding the old Jerusalem, if you see that, and there's like a place there where you can, uh, there's a little tower where soldiers can watch. Somebody can be a watchtower and to see if there's enemies coming or to open up the gates and diff different kinds of gates in the city of Jerusalem. All right, a wonderful uh, replica of the old city. All right, in display. Next. And here is like a, a nice replica. This is um, the eastern gate in the eastern wall around the Kidron Valley. And remember, uh, one of the prophecies when Christ comes again, the second advent, after the rapture, and there's the seventh great tribulation here in this earth, while here, uh, while in heaven we have the judgment seat of Christ where believers will be rewarded their uh, rewards, their, their crowns, and also the marriage supper of the Lamb. And after that, Christ will come back with the saints, you know, to do war in the battle of Armageddon. He will come visibly. He will come publicly. And sabi ng Bible, every eye would see him, and especially those that pierce his side. So that's the second phase of the second advent of Jesus Christ. So uh, he said that he will split from the Kidron Valley all the way to that, and he will open that gate. Because right now, next slide, it is shut. All right? Because you see, uh, the people who don't believe on, with Jesus, about Jesus that is coming again, they made the place, before going to the wall, a lot of uh, cemetery, sepulchers. You see that? On that side, and even on that side before you go to that wall there. Because they know for a Jew, it's very... Not Jewish, it's unclean. They're not allowed to touch dead things, isn't it? It's unclean. So they put those and they, they, they sold those for uh, very expensive, a lot, but a lot of maraming Arabo, mga Muslim, bumili po sila ng mga sepulchre because they're trying to stop the, Jew, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, of coming. Because they said, he cannot come and go to the eastern gate where he will go and present himself as the king. Because of all those dead things, he cannot walk. But we know from the scripture, the Lord will split. <laughs> Jesus Christ will split that place into have between the Kidron Valley and he will walk. Because he'll open the gate. Look at this gate. Next slide. There you go. See? They put sepulchers and that's the part of the eastern gate. 
in the eastern wall, and it's closed now. And sepulchers are there, and uh, very expensive, but and there's nothing impossible with Jesus. Amen? The Bible is true. It will be fulfilled. So, yeah, that's part of the wall, and just a nice uh, time there. Next. All right, so we'll go to the message, all right? Uh, the title is Wait for It and Go. And why did I put a picture like that? Timing is everything, isn't it? Look at that little duckling waiting for her dinner, all right? Just in time for that juicy, juicy bug, all right, to be his dinner. So in our study here, it's uh, Nehemiah, who, who is a cupbearer for King Artaxerxes, the most powerful man on earth at that time. He and his people, the Jews, are in captivity in Babylon, and their home, town of Jerusalem, is burned and destroyed, and its walls broken down. So when Nehemiah hears this in chapter 1, it broke his heart, and he weeps, and he prays for four months, as I said, for God to do the impossible, to deliver his people, and to rebuild rebuild the walls, the temple, and their city. All right, so we can say, first thing here, Nehemiah not only knew how to watch and pray and weep and pray, but also how to wait and pray. How to wait and pray. So we'll be talking a little bit about waiting here, isn't it? And there's a passage of scripture, I think, in Isaiah 40, 31. I think I put it up there, the verse. And we know this, but they that, what is it, folks? Wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I think Pastor Abel preached about this, Brother Bob, in this verse of Scripture, and we were so blessed. The, uh, the value, the blessing of waiting before the Lord. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, to wait on God. To wait on God. You know what? Um... Do you like holidays here in America? Can you not wait for them to come sometimes? Like, you know, Easter, Christmas, you know, for a Christian, those uh, times are uh, wonderful for us because it allows us to share what the Bible says about that particular holiday, isn't it? Resurrection of Christ, the birth of Christ. You know, there was a story of an atheist who complained to a Christian friend. He said, you Christians have special holidays such as Christmas and Easter. Jews celebrate national holidays like Yom Kippur and Passover. But we atheists have no recognized national holidays. So it's unfair. It's a discrimination, he said. His friend replied, why don't you celebrate April the 1st? Because April 1st is? And somebody who said there is no God is a? Full. The full set is in start. There is no God, isn't it? In the book, so yeah. So, but uh, we can't wait sometimes for those um, things to come. And when I speak to young people, isn't it to wait on God to find the lifetime partner is worth waiting it for? Amen. We heard a great testimony from Brother Gilbert. Amen. I was blessed. You know, he learned to wait upon God. He prayed for himself first. So when that blessing is about to come, he's ready. Amen? He know how to respond. But he has to wait upon the Lord. Talking about marriage, or uh, we have some people here in our church getting married, you know? 
about waiting to get married. There was an 80-year-old woman who was recently married to her fourth husband. Mm. A reporter questioned the occupation of her newly acquired husband. She replied that he owned a funeral home. Curious about the other husbands, the reporter also asked about their occupations. So this woman, 80-year-old, paused for a while and stated that her first husband was a banker. The second one that she was madly in love was a circus master. And the third one was a minister. So the reporter was puzzled by her answers. None of these people have anything in common. Why did you marry this? She stated that she married number one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. I'm ready to go. I'm packing my bags. I'm living on a jet plane. Uh, that's why I married up here. Wow, very smart woman, you know? <laughs> In all phases of life, she, she's just marrying the right person for the right job and the right need. Uh, kidding aside, of course, you have to wait on the Lord. The right person to marry because we have a saying in the Filipino culture, you know, ang pag-asawa hindi biro, hindi biro-biro. Hindi parang mainit na kanin na pag sinubo, napaso ay iluwa, di ba? Kasi mahirap iluwa, di ba? Sayang, di ba? Sayang. Walang ibon, walang kakain. Alright? So, we have to wait on the Lord. And it's very hard to do, to wait on the Lord. And we learned last week that sometimes when we get something in our heart, we uh, want to rush out and make it happen. Isn't it? But we should wait and pray first because there's nothing we can do until we pray, but there's going to be much to do after we pray, but not until. All right? Let me repeat it again. There's nothing we can do until we pray, but there's going to be much to do after we pray, but not until we pray. All right? So, young couples today, don't be in a hurry and want it all now, isn't it? Like, uh, we want a big house now. We want a, a nice car right now. We need furniture and decor like our parents have right now. Even though it took them decades to get it. Why wait and save when you can rent to own and buy it 10 times over? <laughs> not good, not practical, isn't it? So they get it over with their credit cards and the bill collector calling and he wants his money right now. And that's the problem, isn't it? So we can say to our young families today that the journey is half the fun. You don't need to have it all in the first few years of marriage and then have nowhere to go from there, isn't it? Just enjoy the journey. It takes one day at a time. Just trust the Lord every day, amen? And the Lord will provide. The joy is in the journey, not the arrival. You know, so I'm not just speaking on young couples or young people here, but it all applies to us. We need to learn how to wait upon the Lord. So here in, the, in this verse of Scripture, Nehemiah knew in his heart what he wanted to do. And uh, he was asking God for the impossible. I haven't told you something last week that is very important to this story. A few years before this, the king had let another group of Jews return to Jerusalem and began building the wall. You know, uh, King Cyrus uh, was able to permit Zerubbabel, remember, to go back uh, and rebuild the temple. And then comes uh, the Medo-Persian kings and 
The first one allowed the group of people to return to Jerusalem to build the wall, but the word got back to him that they were insurrectionists, and so he had the work stopped and the wall torn down. Then he issued a decree that they would never be rebuilt. It was the law of the Medes and the Persians, which meant it could not be undone. It really was impossible, especially in the time of Nehemiah, because that decree was already given. We can find that in the book of Ezra. But you know what? The lesson here, God delights in our asking him for big things. Same like Nehemiah. God delights his, from his people, from his children, to ask him for big things. That's why we need to ask him for some big things in our lives and in our families and in our church because, you know what? It is his chance, God's chance to show himself faithful and powerful, and then he gets the glory when it is clear that only he can do such things. When something happens that is not common, it's not ordinary, you know who will be praised, who ought to get the glory? It is God. Because it's man's perspective that it is impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. There's nothing too hard for him. God delights in our asking him for big things. When was the last time you asked God for something big? When was the last time you asked God, Lord, increase my faith? Lord, uh, I have a desire to give to the work of God to help other missionaries. Lord, I'm praying for this other job opening. I hope that you will bless me. I know, like, I feel like I'm that, that qualified to take it up, but by your grace, if you will bless me and allow me to have it, then uh, it's a big thing to ask, but I will use that as a blessing to others. Isn't it? That's a good, noble prayer. That's asking God for something big, something extraordinary. But if you will just use that for his glory, I think you have a, a greater chance of the Lord listening and answering that prayer if he is going to be glorified. If he can show himself mighty, and strong in your behalf. You know, it is God who should get the glory when those things can only be done by him. There's a story, oh, actually a funny story of a, a man who found an old dusty lamp. You know this, isn't it? So he wiped it clean and a genie popped up and said, I'm so powerful you can ask me for anything and I can do it. The man said, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm afraid to fly. I'm claustrophobic, and I have uh, fear of heights. I wish for there to be a road from the mainland to Hawaii, so I can go there without flying. So the genie said, I think I have misspoken. I don't know if I can do such a big thing. Why don't you ask for something else? He said, okay. I've always wanted to understand women, how they think what makes them tick, how to please them, and what causes their different swing, uh, mood swings. The genie thought for a minute and then responded, do you want that road two lane or four lane <laughs> to go to Hawaii? <laughs> what big thing to ask. Uh, aren't you glad husbands, you know your wife now? Uh, Brother Joe, <laughs> 50 years of marriage? No, so you're like a genie. <laughs> Amen to that. But there's nothing, my focus is there's nothing too big for our God. Amen? And look, for Nehemiah, for 120 days, he was watching and weeping and waiting in prayer. And God answered his prayers and he was able to complete the work, the job for 52 days. Even more time he had to pray and wait and ask the Lord. And God just empowered him. See, we serve a big God. That's why in chapter 2, 
we begin to see that this book is one of the greatest success stories in all of human history. God wants us to succeed. Amen? Do you want to succeed as a Christian? Do you want to succeed as a student? Do you want to succeed in your career? Do you want to be as best as you can be for God's glory despite of everything? Well, we can learn something here in our message today. The Bible word for success is to prosper. Amen? Prosper. Not like the TV evangelist who preaches it, you know, uh, worldly prosperity, you know, but in a biblical way, you know. Um, there are some verses here we can look about the word prosper. Joshua 1.8. Okay, let's turn for then um, just a few verses. I don't know if, if Brother uh, Gilbert can project those verses. I didn't put them there just for the sake of our online viewers, all right? Kids, you want to have success, young people, or all of us, all right? This is one of the things that we need to do. Joshua 1.8, the Bible declares this book of the law, or the Bible, amen, or the scriptures, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. So it means if there are good success, there's also bad success. Isn't it? Bad success that will turn you away from God. Isn't it? But good success is something that God wills for your life. And one of the things that you'll find success is finding and doing the will of God in your life through the Bible, through the scripture. Um, Isaiah 54, 17. Isaiah 54, 17. Okay. We'll just go through these verses quickly before... We go to our only point of the lesson. Amen? There you go. That will perk us up. All right. <laughs> Here, I love this. No weapon that is formed against thee shall... What's the word again, folks? Brethren, prosper. What a promise from God, isn't it? No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. For a true child of God, a child of God is faithful, serving him. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me saith the Lord, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. If you just put your complete faith and trust in God. Isn't it? The devil may hurl his fiery darts. Amen? The world might discourage you or a friend might betray you. But you know what? It will not ultimately, you know, put you away, put you down for the rest of your life because God promised that he would like to prosper you. All right? Isaiah 55:11, just the following chapter there. Isaiah 55:11. Okay, let's turn there. There, too. the Bible says, "So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth; it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it." That's why God's word is precious, amen, and powerful. Because it will do what it is purposed to do. It shall accomplish it. Because, it says there, it will not return void. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto it is sent. Because God's word is alive and powerful. You know, we can count on it. Another one, Proverbs 28.13. Proverbs 28.13. Alright, Proverbs 28.13. About the word prosper. 
The Bible says, he that covereth his sins shall not. There you go, prosper. What an admonition, what an instruction. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Amen? The first half is negative, isn't it? He that covered his sin. It's not good to cover your sin up because sin will always find you out. Amen? God will reveal it at the end. So what we need to do is just confess it. Forsake it. Ask the Lord for mercy and grace and forgiveness. And he will grant you that, you know, not only to the people but in his sight. That's why we need to have the, the spirit of humility and a forgiving heart. But it says in the second half, but whoso confesseth it, and forsake it shall have mercy. So you want to be prosperous? Learn to forgive. Have a forgiving spirit as the Lord forgive us. And lastly, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For this word prosper. Oh, I love this verse. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Okay? Um, the Bible states, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. This is the Lord Says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end or hope or to make you prosperous. Amen? Aren't you glad that God thinks of you? Good thoughts. So child, he wants the best for you. He wants the best for me. That's his will. Amen? If we will just keep on walking in his path, in his, in his instructions in our life. But sadly, of course, sometimes we are stubborn. We're hard-headed. We want it our own way. Amen? And God allows it, okay, if you want to have your own way, do it. So you learn from your mistake, you learn it the hard way. Yeah? As humans, we do that. As Christians, that's why God knows how to teach us best. Amen? And thank God His thoughts are good towards us. To give us that blessed and unexpected and that prosperous end. Alright, so here, Nehemiah was a prosperous man. In order to succeed or be prosperous, we need to do two things. First, we need to recognize what success really is. And then second, we need to learn how to do it God's way. Amen? Spiritual success is much different than worldly success. What the world calls successful, God often calls failure. And the world may look at you and say, what a failure. But God may say to you, now that's a success. So would you rather choose God's approval? God saying to you, you're a success in my sight, than the world saying, oh, you're a success, but in God's sight, you're a failure. You see? Next slide here. Success is finding. Simply, for, for a Christian, good success is just finding and doing the will of God for your life. It's good to live in the will of God. It might not be easy. It might not have be the best, uh, you know, with like no problems, no struggle. But if you know deep in your heart you are doing the will of God, it's according to his word and principle. You know what? You have at most peace. You have joy. You have contentment. Amen? If you know that it is the will of God. You may not be rich or famous as a result in doing the will of God, but you will be a raving success in God's eyes. You know, Jerry Falwell said, Success is also finding the will of God early in your life and doing it the rest of your life. Amen, di ba? That's good. Ano po bang gagawin natin sa buhay natin bilang mananampalataya, di ba? It's just to do the will of God. By His grace, by His strength. You know, so 
Here now is the message. First point and the only point. <laughs> How did Nehemiah wait for the Lord and when it's time for him to make a move, he went and do it? First, because Nehemiah verbalized his goal. In the chapter that we read in Nehemiah chapter 2, we see that he verbalized his goal and his desire to go back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He went first and foremost at the proper time. Notice, in verse 1, we read a while ago in verse 2, we have this uh, implication that in Bible times, it was common for kings to be assassinated. Isn't it? One way it happened was through poisoning. And what is the vocation of Nehemiah? He was the cupbearer or the butler. Or he was the, uh, the most closest person to the king, to the ruler. Because he always accompanies him in uh, official business. It's like he is an, an official advisor to the king. Because he's always in his presence. Isn't it? And if a person or a, a nation has a spy or they want to assassinate the king... One of the easiest way or, you know, clever way to do that is by food poisoning. So a cupbearer will always be the first one that will taste the drink and taste the food before it, it is offered to the king. So the king trusts the cupbearer with his life. Very, very close to him. So this is Nehemiah's job. Wow, very close to the most powerful person in the world during that time, you know. Uh, King Artaxerxes. But history demonstrates that the cupbearers became unofficial advisors to the king because they were always present when business was discussed. On this particular day, it must have been obvious Nehemiah was very burdened. As we've been uh, studying in chapter 1, he has been fasting so long, 120 days. His eyes are red. His cheeks are sunken. He is de-energized. In verse 2, the king notices it. He says, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick. You know? So, the king noticed because they're very close. And uh, the end verse says, Nehemiah was sore afraid. Because you know what? This was a capital offense. To look sad. <laughs> In the presence of the king. Because you know what? Eastern monarchs were to be shielded from all negativity. They have to have a good vibe. You know why? Because they are doing businesses every day, you know, doing businesses about their kingdom, trying to solve problems, trying to put out war and everything. And then your most trusted companion, your butler, your cupbearer, will come to you with a sad face. That's more negativity for the day. And it's a capital offense. You can be punished by death in doing that. You know? He could be executed just for having a sad face. Wow. I'm not sure I blame the king. As I said, he does government work all day, hearing about problems, and when he sits down to eat, the last thing he wants is to be waited on by a sad sack, so to speak. Isn't it? You'll be the same way, and you know it. You know? Some of the family members... As soon as their spouse walks through the room, it's just something negative again. <laughs> Our home should not be like that, amen? Our relationship, it should be a positive vibe, amen? It should be a blessing, you know? 
The joy of the Lord should be seen in our faces. So on this day, Nehemiah couldn't hide it any longer. Why not? Because it was God's perfect timing. Had God not orchestrated this perfectly, Nehemiah would have been killed or banished. So it seems like Artaxerxes is in a very good mood. You know, he's in a good condition. He is like prepared by God to hear Nehemiah's plea. What he's fasting about, what he was praying about for 120 days. He would pray to God to open the door and work the miracle for the walls. And talk about an open door. Amen? God uses the king to open it. Remember it was closed before because there's some insurrectionists and it's not supposed to be changed for the laws of the Medes and the Persians. But now look at this. God opened a door for Nehemiah to talk to, key, to the king Artaxerxes. God uses it to open that door. And the king himself asked what's going on and he said here in verse 2 how he could help. In verse 3, Nehemiah verbalizes his goal. Even though he is scared when God opens the door, he walks through it unashamedly and doesn't mince words. He speaks up and takes the stand as a faithful witness. That's why he said to the king, verse let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, light waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Remember, he is still burdened and concerned to the city of Jerusalem even though it was not his own sins. That led to that ruin. It was the sins of his ancestors, his forefathers. And he's living thousands of miles away. And he's comfortable. But you know what? He was a man called by God to do something. So it's like, it's like Daniel and his friends. Oh, we're so far. We're in captivity. And these are good things to eat from the king's table. No, we don't have to tell them we're Jewish. We have a dietary loss. Nobody will tell. We will not tell. Let's just enjoy ourselves. But you know what? They purpose in their heart not to defile themselves. Remember? They're disciplined, spiritually disciplined because they have a close relationship with God. They're walking with Him every day, side by side. So no matter what the world throws at them, temptation, they still walk the, the straight path. Because once again, it boils down to our personal relationship with God. Our walk with God is very important. So Nehemiah here, came to the king with and verbalized his goal at the proper time. Secondly, at a power, prayerful spirit, with a prayerful spirit. That's why he said in verse 4, The king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? Wow. Very seldom. <laughs> a king would ask that. What's your what's you desire? What, is your, what do you request? So I pray to the God of heaven. He's in the spirit of praying, spirit of praying, praying uh, unceasingly for this burden that he has in his heart. This is a, a quick arrow style prayer, shout up to heaven, when the king asked him silently and stealthily. You know, sometimes we do this. For me as a pastor, I do this when we do some counseling or witnessing. Just, you know, a quick arrow style prayer to God, Lord. Help me this moment. I need thy wisdom. I need thy instruction. Help me, Lord, to help others. Huh? No. I've done this, uh, we've done this in sometimes meetings. You know, sometimes you'll notice me pause, pausing for a while. Oftentimes that is the case. 
you know, because I'm looking for the Lord for guidance, for instruction. It's like when we pray, isn't it? We have to have a listening heart, understanding heart, and listening ear to the voice of God. Now, this kind of prayer is only effective like what Nehemiah have done if it is backed up by a lot of private prayer. Nehemiah prayed constantly for four months, and that's why this arrow prayer was effective. If all your prayer life ever consists of is a quickie prayers, you may wonder why you never really get a hold of God. Isn't it? It's true. Because our private prayer life will sometimes affect our public prayer life. It does. It's like um, if you're driving through an intersection and look over and see a semi running the light and barreling toward your window and you pray a quickie prayer, what do you pray? Oh, I experienced this, you know, when like, oh, there's a drunk driver hitting our, our T-boning us, you know? You just say, God help me! It's like there's a quick prayer shot. God help me, spare me. I'll be good, Lord. I'll serve you. I'll be you. Spare me from being hurt, devastated by this dangerous thing that's about to happen. Diba? Hatayo nagpapa nananalangin, diba? When something abrupt and dangerous is about to happen to us. You see? Our faith is increased. Amen? <laughs> Lord, help. Lord, inter intervene. You know, we say that, oh God, help me. You better pray, be prayed up in private because there will be no time to confess your sins and make things right and make sure you are right with family members and that you have your life in order. When those time comes, it's when it's between life and death, isn't it? That's why the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Amen? Be constantly in tune. Communication with God, not just spurts. Here, Nehemiah has the perfect opportunity to lay right in his lap. That was laid right in his lap. He says quickly, Lord, this is it. This is it. Don't let me blow this. Nehemiah is talking to the most powerful man in the world, but he pauses to consult his real boss. Amen? And a real boss is no other than God. He is the sovereign ruler and controller of all things. Amen? Look at this. Proverbs 21, verse 1. He is in the presence of this king. He can tremble. He might blow it. He might say something that will change his mood or make him angry at him. But look at this. Proverbs 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithsoever he will. So that tells us that our God is completely sovereign. Amen? He's in control of all things. He's in control of the president of the world. Amen? He's in control of what can become with uh, Russia and Ukraine or in the Middle East or whatever. He's in control. Everything is just being set for His glory. So we don't have to worry so much and be consumed with it. Amen? He's got the whole world in His hands, as that song says. Amen? We can trust His wisdom. So Nehemiah realized his goal at the proper time in the prayerful spirit and lastly in a powerful statement. Look at verse 5. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchre, that, notice this phrase, that I may build it. The last five words of that verse, that I may build it. Here's a key to success. We need to verbalize our goals clearly and concisely in the will of God. For his glory. Amen? Powerful statement. I, that I may 
build it. You know, people who transfer their thoughts and dreams into actual words are far more likely to reach them than those who don't. There's a lesson here. That's why at the beginning of the year, you have New Year's resolution. And yeah, it's good to have a mental note. But you know what? If you put them in writing <laughs> and you remind yourself of those every now and then, you read them, ponder upon them, you know, it might be a, a greater chance or success that it will be done. Isn't it? Because people who transfer their thoughts and dreams into actual words are far more likely to reach them than those who don't. You know, motivational speakers agree with the Bible. We should write down our goals because it will be crystallized in our heart. You know, um, you know this singer, ex-Beatles singer George Harrison, he wrote a song that says, if you don't know where you're going, what's the next phrase? Those who are Beatles fans. If you don't know where you're going, I don't know the, the tune for this one. I was not alive yet. Any road will take you there. There you go, isn't it? Any road will take you there. It's like also Alice in Wonderland. When Alice came to a fork in the road, she said, I don't know which way to go. Then Cheshire, the cat, that, that's his name. Where are you going? He asked. She said, I don't really know. He replied, then it doesn't matter which road you take. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter. You ought to have some clearly spelled out goals. You know, that's why we had a goal here in our church, Nehemiah Project. Amen? Start praying. Start saving. Never know. God will bless because he has blessed us before. There's nothing impossible with him. There's a need. And there's a way for God to meet that need. If the people of God will just unite. Amen? Exercise faith and just say, Oh God, before you come, let's make... Let's do something big for you and for your glory, for your ministry, isn't it? For your glory alone. You know, this makes me want to set some clear goals, clear goals for us as a church as the days go by because we need to verbalize this goal unto God. We should also, not only that, announce our goals. You know what? This helps transfer the burden to others who will help us reach our goals. Isn't it the Bible says we need to be like-minded? We need to be in unity. Transfer your burden to others who will reach, help you reach that goal. So we have to have an accountability partner. Amen? I hope you'll find someone in the church. If it's not in your family member, I have a goal. I have this thing I want to do, and I want you to be my accountability partner. That we will check on each other every now and then. We'll pray. We'll have a cup of coffee, isn't it? And how's the goal? How's it doing? How, what's the improvement? What's the process? What's the progress? Accountability partner. When you transfer that burden to others, they will help you reach your goal. Nehemiah knew it would be tough. There would be many challenges, but his clear-cut mission statement got him through it. When people tried to discourage him, he went back to it and said to his goal that he said to the king, I'm going to build the wall. They tried to dissuade him. They tried to distract him. They tried to divert him. They tried to depress him. But he already made his mind and his goal before God. So what goals should you let God drop into your heart for your spiritual life, for your family, for your home, for your business, for your ministry? Huh? What are those goals? Then if you have one, 
be excited. Amen? Get focused. Let's get together. Just let's get busy. Let's get on board. Let's get faithful. Let's get to it by God's grace. Because He will do something if you have a goal in mind. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, thank you for what you've taught us, Lord, in these few verses. Thank you, Lord, for Nehemiah, who had this burden, this vision, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that he um, watered it down, watered it with prayer, Lord. He learned to wait upon the Lord. He, he learned to, to weep before God. He learned to watch you work. And the proper time comes, Lord, that you allowed him to have this right situation to express that burden, that vision to the king. And truly, Lord, you are a God of uh, graciousness. You are a God of impossibilities. You just set things in its right place, right time and order, and you work things so special. And help us, Lord, to be that person that will be sensitive to, to your will and just when you open a door, we'll go through it. When you close the door, we'll wait for another door to come. But you know, you know Lord, that in your timing, in your will, Lord, things can be done for your honor and for your glory. And before I end this prayer, this simple message, is there anybody here in this room or in the voice, in my voice, who've never had a personal relationship with Jesus, who've never trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, and never set it, settle it, your eternal destiny? It's now time to, to do that. And uh, we always preach in this church that man's greatest problem is the problem of sin which brings forth death. But God gave us the greatest solution. It was His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who took our sins and suffered for it, paid for it with His precious life and blood on the cross because He knew that we can never save ourselves. We can never meet God's standard of holiness and perfection because we all have sinned and come short of His glory. And today, if you will just call upon Jesus to save you, believe with all your heart that is the only way to get to heaven he'll save you today give you eternal life is there anybody in this room who've never trusted him completely trusted him as the only way to get to heaven as the way the truth and the life you can make that decision you can bow your heart and your whole being to god confess him as your lord you can pray a prayer like this lord jesus thank you for your love. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, shedding your blood, rising up the third day, the power of your resurrection to save me. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. I now confess that I am a sinner. I can never save myself. I repent of all my sins. Forgive me. And by faith, I ask you to save me this time come into my heart and life to be my Lord and personal Savior. I receive your free gift of eternal life through your Son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's a prayer of trusting the Lord, not the church, not baptism, not your good works, because those are never the way to get to heaven, to earn grace from God. The grace of God is freely given for those who ask for it by faith. If you're a Christian here, prayer is very, very vital and important in our life. We cannot do much without prayer. 
I urge you to pray before God. Have a burden. Verbalize that goal before God. And by His grace, act on it. And when God gave you that open door of opportunity, maybe to witness, maybe to be a better light or saltier salt to speak for God, may we have the courage and the wisdom to do our part and just trust the Lord in the process. Father God in heaven, we thank you for what we've uh, learned today, what we've been reminded of even throughout the whole day since this morning in our Sunday school. Thank you, Lord, that the words of life still freely flow from this place because we have uh, men and women in this church who, who love the Lord, who are just available to, to teach thy word to others. And we know, Lord, that our lives will not function well. We'll, we'll not live a life that has meaning and purpose without the scriptures without the Bible in our lives. Lord, help us to fall in love with it afresh each and every day. This love letter of the Lord that you've given to us, may we treasure it, cherish it. As you speak to us through your word, help us, Lord, to take the opportunity and the privilege to speak to you in prayer. Because truly, prayer is our spiritual oxygen. We cannot live without it. We cannot function without it, Lord. So thank you, Lord, for reminding us of the life of Nehemiah, who, so much prayer, Lord, you open the windows and the door of heaven and pour out that blessing and you use him mightily as a wonderful success story of a man who was truly surrendered to you. We pray now, Lord, that for any spiritual need that we have right now or any need that your people has in their heart, Lord, may you listen. May you uh, give them, Lord, uh, the desires of their heart that is according to your will, Lord. So your name will be honored and glorified. Give us a good week. Help us, Lord, to be a, a channel of blessing to someone, to be a witness to someone. Help us, Lord, to just do your will each and every day. May we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, in thy strength and thy wisdom. And we know, Lord, that as the day is approaching of your soon return, Lord, help us to continue to know you more and share what we know about you to this lost and dying world. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for listening to the word of God. And also thank you for praying for Pastor Jeter. I message us that uh, they had a good service in Boston. Truly miss them. So thank you. Uh, the word of God has been preached throughout America today. And we know there's fruits of it. Amen. So this time we'll call our song leader to uh, close us in uh, our last song. And then um, we'll have... Uh, Closing prayer and benediction, and then the choir had practice. Thank you. Okay, shall we all rise, please, as we sing this closing hymn? Okay, first dance and already sing. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it's all.
Once again, our Father in heaven, Lord, we thankful for the word that we have heard today. And Lord, you truly, truly, Lord, uh, filled our hearts with the uh, word of God, Lord. And we pray, Father, Lord, that teach us, Lord, to be more prayerful and increase our faith, O oh God. And we know, Father, Lord, that uh, your coming is very near, that you may find us faithful, Lord, in our service unto the Lord. Once again, we pray that uh, you will use us, Lord, as an instrument, Lord, in this world, so that they may see Christ in our heart. And Lord, we humble ourselves, O oh Lord, as we go out in this place, Lord, that, uh, uh, that you will continue, Lord, to be with us. And please forgive us, Lord, in our sins, Lord, that uh, sometimes we, um, we tumble, Lord, in our faith. But Lord, you are there for us, Lord, to help us. And once again, Lord, we Thank you for our pastors, for our leaders, Lord, uh, continuously encouraging us, O oh Lord, and, and feeding us with the word of God. And once again, we pray that as we depart from this place, may your traveling mercy be upon us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, God bless you, brethren. Okay, as we cite our verse, okay. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at the day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. God's people will say, Maranatha, and we'll see you soon, okay? Thank you.